This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of May 17th. I'm your host, D. Swab. Derek Kessinger, joined by the beautiful and good-looking editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kyle, Speed Week in Illinois was a success. Four different winners. Yeah, we had a rain out of Farmer City, but we got a Monday night roll in uh, on Monday night where we saw Brandon Shepard. Huge crowds, great car counts. Overall, the racing was, you know, pretty damn good. Great weekend in the lane of Lincoln, and I felt like I felt like it went pretty good. I don't know from your vantage point watching at home. Did you did you think it was the same? Absolutely. Anytime that you know we can draw, you know, forty plus cars and have four different winners of the caliber of drivers, you know, that we had seen from this, this, you know, past week, it was, uh, for sure entertaining to watch and, uh, neat to also have the series, you know, co-sanctioned by, uh, you know, flow race and night in America and the Lucas Oil late model dirt series too. And, you know, on Monday to cap it off at, uh, the rescheduled farmer city race and 14th, to first there and uh you know he's for sure been one of the the top drivers now in our sport i think he's erased all doubt in that new longhorn chassis now and so um and then obviously to he's start back. off that four race that four race mini series there um two you know with dennis herb and uh picking up that big win at spoon river um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was a lot there to follow. And then how about Brandon Overton too? He had taken the Lucas Soil late, late, late model dirt series point lead there after Fairbury, uh, which is something that I had on my bingo going into this Utah, you know, certainly lots of storylines here to follow and, uh, you know, lots to lots to track and um you know things to things to keep us a entertained as the season gets uh gets going here yeah kyle is off to wait in county for the high limit race so his uh, internet spotty we can hear him pretty well but if his camera starts to freeze if you're watching from home just uh please bear with us he's doing a great job uh on the road making moves for the high limit kyle larson series uh kevin kovac Illinois Speed Weeks, my boys, Lane of Lincoln, have won six of the eight events, and the three guys that have won have won twice, Bobby Pierce, uh, Dennis Herb Jr., and Brandon Shepard. So safe to say they like coming back home. Those are our national touring guys this year. Uh, Bobby Pierce doing it, you know, for the first time here since, you know, running that uh, Dunn Benson car. So he's happy to be home. He's running the World of Outlaws. But they did represent their home state, and, uh, of course, I was pumped up to see that happen. Yeah, I'm sure you like to see the Illinois boys uh, keep the money at home, and and they certainly did. Uh, yeah, that, that that Fairbury race. I mean, I'm just gonna just to to single out one seven thing. Seven Lucas that Fairbury, regulars. Man, that was pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, just like just just qualifying for that was tough. And I mean, and let's not forget there was a there was a rain delay, three hour rain delay, right after qualifying. Luckily, I think they moved the start time up right for about an hour. And so they were able to get the qualifying in before the rain came a little bit earlier than actually thought. Uh, and they got that race got going back. I think it was not about nine o'clock, a little after nine o'clock uh, central time. 
and that feature was over. The, the late model feature was over a little bit after 11 o'clock. They did all those. That's earlier than Prairie and, Dirt Classics. Yeah, I mean, geez, that's pretty damn good. Uh, I almost feel like sometimes, hey, we let's just be in hurry up mode all the time. We're going to be in hurry. Let, let's just, let's pretend it's going to rain all the time. We got to get this show in because, man, that thing went off like, man, it, 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 they were just clicking stuff off so fast. It, it was, uh, that was especially nice, like, for everybody on the Eastern time zone a little bit later there. Um, so we were already after midnight when it ended. Uh but the the racing too was pretty it was wild i mean there was plenty of stuff happening there robert had oh. plenty of plenty of stuff to cover uh you know especially <laughs> that hudson o'neill uh hudson o'neill De- dennis herb jr incident and then the hudson o'neill uh you know getting up in that cushion nearly rolling over two to go as he's trying to chase down bobby pierce who is like bobby pierce wins again i mean he wins all these specials that's five specials right in the last two years that he's won at Fairbury, but he hasn't won that big one. He just has not won. He just hasn't. Yeah, I think he would like to try to transfer some of that that good fortune that he has in some of the other specials over to the Prairie Dirt Classic. Uh, I mean, he's got to win that eventually. Uh, I can't see him going. Up. Maybe that could be like the Dale or the Daytona 500 for Dale Earnhardt or something that he just can't get over the hump in. Or something always happens. But I imagine he's going to get it one of these days, and he sure showed that he can. Uh, he can win at Fairbury uh, again this past weekend. Yeah, and also, Kovac, isn't it funny that the one car, no matter who's in it, the Rocket 1 and the 32 are always in the same spot in the same scenario here, especially the last two or three years. It's kind of nuts uh, how those two cars are always in collision course for those final five laps. Yep, it's uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a good rivalry going, and I, I – you guys were there. So you got, you got, you were both, you and Robert were both there for that race. So I just want to ask you, I mean, what was that scene like oh. when, uh, when uh, Dennis Herb and Hudson tangled and later on, I could hear a little what? bit on the broadcast, but it sounded like it got pretty loud. Well, I'll let Robert go right after me. I'll, we'll contain them just a little bit longer, but uh, never in my life would I see the rocket one car like especially just like the last six or seven years dominance just for the Prairie Dirt Classic itself, that I would hear boos from it. Obviously, Brandon Shepard's drove it the last several years. He's never going to get any boos unless he somehow bashed the track. Uh, so I was very shocking to see that. And also, that might have been the first race in February history where there was, A, no shenanigans by Bobby Pierce or not involved in anything crazy, and, B, he never got booed. I think they were cheering harder than ever for him. So that's all it takes is just some other dramatic thing to happen, Robert Holman, and you don't get the boo birds at Fairbury. Shane and Bab had to go through it a couple of years. Bobby Pierce has went through it virtually his whole career. So maybe they're starting to turn around a little bit. But I think more people were upset with Hudson O'Neill with uh, his incident with Dennis Herb Jr., who had a very, very fast race car and was going to be you know, battling for the win, obviously. He was leading the first 30 laps or whatever it was before that yellow came out. You also have to consider that that crash took out Shannon Babb. So, right. That, so that, he, and he's Illinois' first he takes born out, son. He takes out Dennis Erb, you know, and Shannon Babb. So, so you have to, you know, consider that. So definitely when uh, he jumped the cushion there and, and had that crash with two to go, it got really loud because people really wanted to, to, they did not want uh, Hudson O'Neill to win the race. And if it had to be Bobby Pierce to win it, so be it. 
but they did not want Hudson O'Neill to win. The crowd <laughs> didn't want Hudson O'Neill to win it. And you could tell by how loud it got when he when he crashed with two to go. For sure, you could tell. All right, Robert. Uh, your week started off great just because Dennis Herb Jr. won that opening night in a, probably arguably the best race of the of the speed week. I know that was just one week ago. Or, yeah, one week ago. Um, just, But then it all kind of went south for you. A lot of boondoggle. A lot of chaos. Your boy gets taken out of Fairbury for thirty grand. Uh, the trip just didn't go as smoothly as it did that first night for you. <laughs> well, my my trip in general was a uh, a massive boondoggle. It was a hashtag boondoggle. It, it was uh, started out with a little little road rage incident, which I'm not really going to go into uh, so much. <laughs> Uh, for for the sake of for the sake of editing and the story. And, and that sort of stuff uh, in around Clarksville, Tennessee. So I managed to get through that uh, through that situation. Uh, but then, and keep in mind that I rarely get out of my own county or state before either someone has sh- shot a, me a bird or I've shot someone else a bird. So it's, I like carry a sack of birds in my back seat and just get them and flip them at people every once in a while. But anyway, I got through that. I, I managed to get through that road rage issue around Clarksville, Tennessee with no problem. But then I, I left early. I left on Tuesday. I get to my hotel. I, I get there late. It's an eight hour drive, eight plus hour drive for me. So I, I check into my hotel and their computer's down or something. I don't know what their problem is, but they, they, they give me, they finally, after like 15 minutes, she's like, did you prepay? I'm like, yeah. So she finds my paper and just goes ahead and gives me my key and I go on in. So uh, I get to my hotel room, I open the door, walk in, and it is trashed. I mean, like the bed is jacked up. There's liquor bottles on the counter. It is, it is destroyed. And so I walk, Pre-party you know, party before speed Right. So I'm dragging my stuff back downstairs. Tell the lady, I said, man, my, my man, my room's trashed. She's like, oh no, they must've rolled it over. If somebody rolled it over. All right. So I don't know what that meant by rolling it over. I don't know the hotel lingo, but so, uh, so she's like, let me go find you another, another room. And so she goes upstairs and looks and finds me a clean room, comes back downstairs, hands me the card. And I'm like, thank you. So I bebop back upstairs with dragging my luggage against the Actually, I shouldn't say bebop. I'm dragging myself and my luggage back upstairs. And I look at my card, 309, whatever. I open it up. As soon as I open the door, I see a trash can that has trash in it. I'm like, you're kidding. You're kidding me. So I'm like, what's going on? So I'm like, push the door on open. And this guy just sits straight up in bed. I'm like, oh, damn. So Romance. now I've woke, I've woke somebody up at like, at like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. Right. I'm like, and the guy's just looking at me. I mean, what if I'd walked in on like a drug deal or something or, or worse, you know, there are worse things than drug deals, I think. So I'm like, Oh damn. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I said, is this, is this 309? And he just looks at me and doesn't even answer. And I, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, the lady downstairs is having a rough night and I just shut the door and walked back downstairs. So then I looked at my card and I'm like, wait, maybe that's a 304, not a 309. I don't know. But before I try 304, I'm going back downstairs to figure out why this card worked in 309. If this is a 304. 
So I walked back downstairs and I said, what is, what is this that you wrote on here? She says, 304. I'm like, oh, I said, well, I just went into room 309. These keys worked for 309 and I just woke a guy up. So you're probably going to want to apologize to him in the morning. I said, why did this work for 309 if, if it's 304? And she's like, well, the computer was down. So I had to give you a master key. That key opens every room in the hotel. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, it opens every room. Could have went anywhere, Sorry, it's all, it's all I could have gone to any room. I, what if I was a serial Into the killer? gym, into the pool. The pool, the gym. I could have, the, the break room, whatever. And so I'm like, <clears throat> okay, well, I'm not going to go into any other rooms. And she says, yeah, I trust you. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> so I get into my room. And I make sure, like, I have every lock that I could possibly get you on there. Better put the locks, locks on that hotel. I locked them all, and I put my chair up against the door. I did not sleep comfortable that first night, and so, so the next morning I carried it downstairs and swapped it out. So I did not want to be responsible to with that key, you know. And uh, so I swapped it out, and they were really nice and and took care of me and stuff. So so moving on, then. Um, I get to this. So that was at Lincoln. We go to we go to Lincoln. We go to uh, uh, Spoon that night, and Dennis Herb Jr. wins. That's that's a hell of a race, right? It's a good show, and so that's he gets some money, and and uh, so then we go to Lincoln, and the next day, <clears throat> and uh, I, I roll up kind of like I normally do, park at the beside the concession stand there, and I'm working, and they have a little delay, so I go get me a cheeseburger. And I come back and I sit in my passenger side of my car and I start eating my cheeseburger and I just get out, shut the door and then realize I don't have my keys with me. And I, I'm like, uh -oh. okay, no, no keys. Yeah. So I went back and grabbed the door handle. Car was locked. So I locked my keys in my car, which I don't technically, I didn't lock my keys in my car. My car, my wife calls it Christine. I call it Kit. Uh, but my wife, I mean, my car kind of has a mind of its own. Uh, it literally locks it. Like yesterday I had the windows down. This is, this is at home actually on, on sun on Monday, I had the windows down car keys in the ignition and it locked on its own. So, uh, it's crazy how my, but I, I know that. So I should have made sure I had the keys. So I had to call uh verizon and get them to come out, send somebody out and the first person canceled because you know lincoln's a huge fairgrounds right you know it's not like they could find me or whatever so then i had to go wait out at the gate pit gate for the second guy to come so i missed every heat race and the first probably 10 or 12 laps or whatever 15 laps or whatever of the feature at lincoln waiting on this guy oh man i did get to see the last of the race though and so that was kind of a bummer you know uh, but the guy was super nice and and i kind of had to help him on get the car unlocked and he gave me a fist bump you know he's like because he was excited to get it unlocked as well so we move on uh to where farmer city and uh get completely yeah we did and then it rains out and i had parked in the infield of the horse track and you know i have a camaro holy hell you talk about slipping and sliding and getting out of there. It was, I waited at one time. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mud pit because that track, you know, is just like the, in, the 
It's just like silt, you know, that's good for corn and racing. That's it. That's all it's good for. And so I was like walking through the pits, trying to, trying to find an exit route. And I walk up to this little island of grass. I look around, there's Jonathan Clayton standing there by his own, just standing out there in this grass. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to figure out how in the hell I'm going to get out of here. I'm like, me too. Right. I'm like, where did you park? He had parked up on the hill of the horse track and he was going to have to come down across it and then go back up it. He, he survived and got out of there, I assume. So I did get out, but I rolled my windows down so I could see good. I'm going down through it. And I, right as I go past, kind of get to the concession stand, I had to go back down. And I hear somebody yell, floor it. You know, people are yelling at me as I'm going through all this mud and stuff in my car. So I get out, survive that, no problem. And uh, I came on home after uh, Fairbury. I didn't come. Uh, I didn't go well, back to Carmel City. Well, then got home. so that was your boondoggle. But then you go to Fairbury, and you have that whole incident. Damn it, man. What? Uh, it was. I have. We haven't even talked about racing. We All we've talked about is this boondoggle. And I said I could do it in four minutes, and I think it took me seven. You, I'm sorry. But, man, I, it was. Holy hell. It was a. It it was a trying, trying week for me. And my wife is texting me. She's like, I just want you home safely. That's all. That's at this point, just try to get home. And that's kind of the way I felt. I got home late Sunday night, like how nine ish. And I just came and sat down in my chair and just like sat there. I mean, it's like, I, hell, I didn't even shower when I got home. I'm like the hell with it. I'm, I'm just want to sit here. So the racing, I loved everything else sucked but whatever. All right, Robert, Robert, 30 seconds. What was your favorite thing about the speed week? Not Dennis Herb Jr. Related, <clears throat> not Dennis Herb Jr. Related, uh, the car counts, uh, the mixture of excellent talent at both races at all, both for both tours, Castrol and Lucas oil. When you bring them together, I think we averaged 45 cars for those races. Um, see, I, probably one of the most exciting things for me actually was at Fairbury looking at that second con uh, first consolation race. And knowing that eight of those guys in that Concy could easily start the World 100 when we get to, to Eldora uh, here in, in uh, June or September. It was stacked and packed. Every heat race, I would look at it, and I'm like, holy hell, these heats are stacked. And I love the fact that on the first night, the Castrol Tour did not give points. Uh, you had to race your way in the show. And if you were in a stacked heat or a stacked Concy, you were kind of screwed. That's old school racing, and I loved it. Um, and then you look at, uh, uh, Brandon Overton who had to race his way into every show, despite, you know, right there in the Lucas oil points lead, because they weren't giving provisionals just yet for, for him, at least he didn't have them. So it was old school racing at its best. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Brandon Overton didn't pass Max Blair on those final laps, uh, at Fairbury in that first B main, he would not have made the show and probably would have been off tour, but then he started leading the points. He's currently second. I don't know. Yeah, Kovac really quick, but didn't Max Blair, did he not sign up for it though either? We are kind of talking about that or maybe he got, so he got in for provisional. I don't know how that worked or did he sign up at the beginning of the year? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I didn't know. He, he, he I guess they must have signed up early. I mean, you know, they were they'd committed to both tours. I mean, he was already committed to the, uh, I mean, that's your, that's your boy, Boom. Your boy, Boom, should, uh, you know, maybe he, he could shed more light on that. I wasn't sure exactly how that worked out. So one of the coolest things about the Speed Week is that we had, you know, two different series, 
uh, and we had four different announcers doing play-by-play. We had uh, you know Ben Shelton and Dustin Jarrett, and then we had James Essex and Mike Norris at Fairbury, who all four do a great job. All four have different have their different flavors and flair. They present differently. Their presentations a little bit different as well. Uh, some of them have more sayings than the other than others, but. I don't know. I just like the diversity in of uh, the announcers we had. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. And our topic is just, uh, you know, uh, just talking about the announcers. Uh, so first question, Kyle McFadden, what are something, what are something you like about an announcer or what is something you look forward to into any announcer when you go to a race? Yeah, I think number one, obviously knowledge, right? I mean, it's, I always love like the little tidbits that that James Essex, you know, like uses on the broadcast. You know, just the mean uh either humorous or just knowledge filled, you know, tidbits that spices up fast or just gives flavor, gives color, you know, to the what uh you know, just how an announcer brings our sport to the masses. I mean it's it's our job as writers, right, to to bring the personalities and, and news and notes and just anything that we we find, see, hear, feel to the masses in the same exact, you know, motive and mindset for the announcer. But um, I think personally, I put this in my fast, uh, either like last month or like a few months ago when we talked about underappreciated uh roles in our sport and i just think like it is it is so difficult to be the complete package it's just for an announcer and and it's just rare and so when we just like have guys in our sport like james essex or rick eshelman or you know dustin jarrett or ben shelton or um you know forgetting some names there just just obviously it starts with their knowledge and with with their passion and and also too you know just uh keeping things light and fun and 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 uh really just um leveraging their personalities too and uh, so it just like never hurts to just have an announcer who's personable and uh you know is is able to relate not only to the racer but the race fan too and um, always has their ear to the ground and uh, is just the plug and the source for just everything that's going on at the racetrack. And so I've always appreciated an announcer who um, is basically the face of the series or the face of the race or the racetrack or whomever, right? I mean, that's the brand that you're portraying, you know, is, is either your series, the racetrack or just like whatever nation that may be. So, uh, yeah, just like an announcer just has a lot of knowledge, obviously, and uh, is able to keep things light and fun and, and uh, engaging. All right. Who had it on their bingo was, card right was, there? See, it was, it was you know, only a matter of time. Well, I fell asleep on Robert's spoon dial. It was only a matter of time. You had your mute on before that. 
All right. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, Ben Shelton comes to mind. Like, he's so good at presentation. He has the facts. He gives out the car details. He gives out the sponsors. He knows, like, pretty much a lot of the history of it. You know, he's very straight to the point. And, like, I also like the flair, though, like Mike Norris and James Essex, you know, PSG. Uh, it's getting fallsy. The announcer is always thirsty. All that stuff that, you know, that people like that's entertaining. Kovac, you have to be just but You have to do more than just the racetrack stuff because a lot of these shows are broadcasted now. So you're doing the listeners at home as well. So announcing's kind of changed a little bit that you kind of have to call what's on the TV screen instead of calling like, you know, what you see, but what do you kind of look at? But that's kind of true though. Announcers have to change it up a little bit just because everything's a live stream and broadcast now. Yeah. I mean, they have to tell, yeah, they do have to tell you what was on the screen because everybody at home is going to get mad if they're like, well, you know, they're talking about, I'm not seeing what they're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to be like, but, but again, really during the race, uh, when you're at a racetrack, you really don't, you you don't hear that announcer that much. Uh, once the race is on, I mean, like, like. yeah, yeah. It's like, you're, you're not, I, I haven't been in too many racetracks where you could really hear that announcer super well. If, uh, if cars are going around the track, I mean, you hear them at all other times, obviously, but man, it, it, it's, it's difficult to, to hear everything they're saying when, you know, when there's loud race cars on the racetrack. So it, it's okay. I mean, I, they could be talking about, uh, what they see on the screen for the people at home. And, uh, but you, you, you always want enthusiasm too. I love that, you know, in a voice, it, an announcer. I mean, obviously he's called an announcer for a reason. He's going to have a voice, you know, he's got to have that announcer's voice. Um, and that yeah, people can, there's, there's people like, like all of us, we could, we probably know a lot of facts and we could talk well. And then we, you know, we could, we can go up there and talk, but we weren't, we're not going to be announcers. We're, you know, we're like, we don't have the, vo- you need that a voice to be the announcer. And, um, and that's the first thing I think about when I think about announcers. I, I mean, their voice pops into my mind even more than what they, you know, like their stats or what their total style is. It's just voices that I hear. I mean, I, I can still hear the first race I ever went to was 1982 at Flemington Speedway in New Jersey. And I could still hear the announcer's voice. Bill Singer was the announcer through all the years that I went there. Uh, you know, kind of an iconic guy from New Jersey. Uh, who's a radio guy too. And he came in and announced all the time at Flemington. I, I mean, I can, I can still hear his voice. Um, and, and that's the way it is for uh, why I think you're going to remember that announcer, uh, you know, how they sound. And, and if they stand out to you, it's, it's never going to leave your mind. And that's the way it is for me with, uh, you know, with, with announcers like not, not only him, but a lot of them over the years. Uh, Brett Emmerich comes to mind for me with that radio like voice like when I close my eyes and just hear them at uh, different races throughout my life, that's that's one of those distinguished voices that like really comes to mind. So that's a good call, Kovac. Uh, Robert, what do you look forward into announcer, and like what are some uh, guys that stand out to you? Um, I, I definitely, I would say that I agree with uh, with Kyle as far as the information. I don't know if there's a guy out there that works harder, you know, than than Ben does at the homework, what it takes behind the scenes before you get on the mic. Cause the, the, what I hate the worst is mistakes. And I know that we all make them uh, a tremendous amount, whether it be in our writing or, or whatever, but we have the, we have the, the for, good fortune of having editors who can read through our stuff, which sometimes things get caught. Sometimes things don't, True that. but 
you know, people are, you know, these guys read my stuff. I read theirs. Uh, Todd Turner reads our stuff. So we're fortunate enough to be able to get our stuff edited, you know, 99% before we get it put on the screen. Editor, I mean, uh, announcers don't. I mean, they're just out there and, and they're unedited 100%, you know. And so I really like guys who who do their homework and and come to you with information that is factual. There are some announcers and I'm not throwing anybody on the bus, but there are some announcers who just say stuff just to be saying stuff. And you're like, what the hell did he just say? And it's not even accurate. It's just not even, it's not, they didn't, A, they didn't do their homework. And then B, they're just talking to hear themselves. They're, they, they're not accurate. And, and so I don't like those guys so much, but uh, you know, Ben Shelton, he does his homework, man. He works tirelessly behind the scenes before he gets on the mic and whether or not he mispronounces a guy's hometown or not that's irrelevant because ben has mispronounced a hometown or two incorrectly who cares his facts are are right on and dj is right there behind him uh as far as the voice I like those iconic voices you know the ones that you so they're they're a lot in our sport and as soon as you turn it on you know who it is. And to be honest, there are a lot of iconic voices that are iconic for the wrong reason. And a lot of times when I'm watching a race at home and my office, my little square here is kind of behind the living room. And so I can see the TV on the other side. I can see my wife sitting over there. A lot of times I'm sitting here watching a race that I have to, you know, get facts from or whatever. And my wife's like, can you please put your headphones on or can you please turn that down or whatever that, that none of us want to hear, you know, but, uh, but so they're iconic for the, for the wrong reasons. And I was just talking to Patrick Davis about this during the rain delay at Fairbury. Uh, sorry. At, yeah. At Fairbury. And I actually like Patrick Davis's calls because he does not get crazy excited until he needs to. I don't like those guys that get, blown out excited on lap three because somebody in 14th place threw a slider on somebody in 13th place. I don't need that yet. I don't need that to be that amped up on the lap three of a 40 lapper. I need you to dial it back and to just give me the call. And also like you were said, uh, Derek, that they have had to change up their style. They've had had to change up a lot of stuff because of, uh, of the way the, the medium is presented now. They have to, they don't have to necessarily call it like it's on the radio anymore because we're seeing what they're seeing. So, so believe it or not, they don't actually have to call it inch for inch all the way around a track. Now, I will say that, that calling races in our sport is much more difficult than say calling races in NASCAR because those guys are on such much bigger tracks. They've got time. Those guys have so much time as those cars go around a track. Say, for instance, a half mile and a half or whatever, like most tracks are. But then you get up to the two mile tracks or even the mile tracks. Those guys have, they don't, they don't have to call it like a horse race, you know, because they have time in our sport on our little tracks, man, you know, you're turning 12 to 16 to 18 second laps. They've got a lot of information they have to get out to us, you know, during that time. So it is a difficult job and it's, I would stumble and I would screw it up and it's not one that I would want by any stretch. I would have to be that, that 
color guy maybe that says throws in one fact like every third lap or something that'd be what i would be doing sitting there uh but definitely i man i really appreciate ben shelton for his the homework and, and stuff that he puts into it uh especially and i know I i'm not going to go out and mention name a bunch of people uh is, were we supposed to tell us like are we supposed to say who one of our like all-time favorite announcers is is that where i'm at right now I was gonna do that the next time around, but yeah, go ahead. You can awesome. No, no, no. Like, go ahead. I'll stop. Uh, well, I was gonna say, like, I I think it's like perfect. Like you said, like that's why if you have like Ben Shelton with like James Essex or Ben Shelton with like Mike Norris or like Ben Shelton with DJ, you got like the guy that can do the facts, do all the knowledge, and then you have like the the you know the classic voiceover of like DJ and Essex that like sound so good together. Like DJ and Essex, don't get me wrong, are so damn good at Eldora and I love them and I would, but I've had people come up to me and say like, man, they're just like sometimes too much. Cause they're both have like that, you know, the animated, like jacked up. They're kind of like, you know, it's not really like a moderator, like Ben Shell would be, you know, if he was there with somebody, but they're, Hey, that's what them thinking. I think Ben, I think DJ and Essex are awesome at Eldora. And that's kind of like what I've been used to the last 10 years. At, at Eldora, they could be jacked up or. Yeah, that is uh, true. They, I mean, it's the big they, E for or, a big Or toilet water. Or whatever, toilet watered up, or whatever it is. I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> that, 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 I'm not sure what's in their little water bottle. So it could be. You know, they could be super excited. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying for sure. Yeah, because if you have like that guy that's like the uh, Al Michael, then you have like you know Essex with that like famous voice, just like it'd be like Collinsworth and just you know feeding off each other. All in all, they, everybody does a great job. It's a very hard job. Uh, then of course you got like Ruben with the world of outlaws who started when he was like 14. Now he's only like 23. Just, you see him vastly improving because I feel like he <clears throat> takes, takes to heart what people say like, Hey, you're kind of getting rambunctious too much. He's definitely, definitely toned down the, the peg stick. So I'm very proud of him for uh, getting better and better. Uh, Kyle, who is like an all time announcer or like a voice when you just close your eyes and super late model race and you're like, okay, this is awesome. All right, sorry for I think Kyle we might have lost him a little bit, so we'll go to Kevin Kovac. Hopefully we can get service back to him. Who's like a guy that when you close your eyes or thinking racing, you're like, Okay, I'm in heaven. This is a beautiful voice. We're in here for a big treat and a big race. Well, that's <clears throat> a beautiful voice and every man, it's, I'm I'm closing my eyes and man, you really that's I'm in love with this announcer or something yeah. here. But well, don't uh, get too turned guy, on. I mean, I'm just saying uh, yeah, I'm like one uh, super late model guy. I mean, I growing up, I have I don't, there's a there was a lot of iconic announcers in like big block modified racing in the Northeast that I even sprint car racing and stuff. I mean, um, so I I remember them more than I do the uh, the super late model guys because I didn't grow up going to super late model races every week. But one voice that I started here in a, you know, like when I started going covering, like, uh, having the UDTRA races and stuff was Ozzy Altman. Uh, I mean that he just had that gravelly deep voice and, um, just, he was an announcer, 100% announcer. Uh, and I mean, we hear What's that? What's the, what's the, 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 the last I lap can't pass, swear right? to it. I yep. can't swear to it, but I think Burkhofer pulled off the upset. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the most famous calls we have in, in late model racing, and I, I always remember uh, Ozzy. I mean that that's a, uh, and then he was also you know he did a lot of like Charlotte stuff over the 
um, you know, when the he's jacked up too, Kovacs and all. Yeah, he was always he would. That's a guy who was on fire all the time. You know, there was no when he got that microphone in his hands, he was not gonna be, you know, uh, you know, low key or anything. So, but but it's one of those voices you always remember. And, Apologize to all the people listening and watching at home. We've had uh, some technical difficulties, but we're going to kind of push through. That's what we do here, Robert. So I'll just kind of ask you, who is uh, one of your favorite announcers in the late model world that like always sticks out to you? It could be either growing up or maybe kind of the new, fresh, new blood guys. But I feel like you're going to go with a guy that's more old school. First of all, are, you're back, right, Kevin? Yeah, He's now back. I'm back. I don't know what happened there. Awesome. Something just, awesome. Where, where was I at when I st- yeah, all just, where was I at when I talked? Talk, we were talking about Ozzy Altman, and then you said he had one more guy, and then that kind of is. So who's the other guy you're going to mention? Then we'll go. Okay, to, there we go. We'll that's go that's a good. It's a good segue. Then let me just tell you that real quick. But there's one as a super late model announcer uh, that I heard a lot because I was going to this track that ran big block races, uh, you know, in this early season, late season, back in the late '80s and into the '90s, and that's Hagerstown Speedway, and, and the announcer Frank Saggy. Uh, I always, it, it was just something about, just something about what he, how he, how he called races and his voice just stuck out to me. And I could still remember his voice, uh, uh, making all those calls now. And, uh, uh, like uh, it, it, Hagerstown doesn't quite seem the same without the PA system. Yeah, he's a, he was a Hall of Famer, legend, obviously had late models and sprint cars, so he could do it all over there. Robert, how about you? Uh, who are you going to go with? Uh, I'm going to uh, a more obscure, probably, announcer for, for you guys, but this is a guy who lived down in, in Mississippi and was an announcer at North Alabama Speedway and Moulton and uh, like Columbus, Mississippi, and a lot of those tracks. His name was uh, Don Crowell, uh, C-R-O-W-E-L-L, I believe. Uh, he announced a lot of the races that almost every race that my stepfather uh, promoted back in the the nineties or whatever, and uh, just a, a hell of a guy, a great voice, and he was one of those guys that you would see like many of these announcers who who is going around before the event, getting information from drivers, cards, note cards, you know, so so he knew his stuff uh, when he was talking about it. He's not going to tell you something that you know that that's not factual and he's going to be able to tell you that so-and-so won last week at you know at talladega or, or you know he 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 gathered his information before the race so uh and he had a great voice as well so just a, a heck of a guy he's passed away i remember one time uh molten speedway had the don crowd tribute race a really good race for him before uh before he he passed away he was a diabetic and i think he wound up losing a maybe losing a, a foot or something because of diabetes. And, and he still, he, then he got a driver to drive him. He kind of was, he always kind of reminded me of like Bob Memmer showing up in that van he had because Don <laughs> had a van, Don had a van like that. And then he got him a driver and, and someone could drive him and his eyesight was getting bad. He got him a driver for nighttime and stuff. He was just a trooper man right up to the end and a, a hell of a voice and a, and a hell of a guy. So, uh, that's one of the guys that when you thought talk to me about announcers of all the places I used to go, you know, and travel to in the South, this guy really stood out to me. Uh, yeah, th- that's a very good one as well. My, my favorite 
growing up. Uh, brought a lot of childhood memories this last, you know, November when they were both in the booth together. Kovac was there for the the World Finals. You had Brett Emmerich and James Essex, you know, announcing for the you know the late great uh, Rick Eshelman. He passed away, you know, the month prior. But they had those two guys kind of stepping in and filling the roles out. And let me tell you, I felt like I was a kid in the '90s and early 2000s with those two just belting out. Uh, you know, Brett obviously just. To the point, great radio voice, just consistent, smooth, very detailed. And then you, of course, have Essex, who gets more animated, has his great one-liners. So those two have always stuck out with me my entire life and entire career. And obviously, I'm, you know, uh, a lot, not a lot younger, but younger than you guys. So, like, the new blood guys that are still announcing are, you know, very influential of who I like now. And then Mike Norris, he's been doing Fairbury for 20, almost 25 years. He's he's probably one of yeah, just that – uh. Kovac, those two guys doing it, uh, the World Finals. That was pretty special, and it was pretty cool that they got to play, pay tribute to two famous voice, voices in our sports that have done outdoor and have done different series throughout, you know, throughout the throughout our lives and throughout our career. Yeah, Brett is like Brett Emmerich, and he's just he's got that radio voice, that that deep voice, uh, and he, he had he he so many like you say so many people. Uh, uh, can remember his voice at, at Eldora, you know, are you ready? You know, or he would be up there on that stage yelling to everybody. And, and Brett, he's like really straight laced. He's that straight laced announcer too. He's not going to be that flowery guy and joking around the whole time. He's going to, he's going to give you the facts and, and that's his style. And I mean, he was pumped up to go back into the booth. I, I thought he might be, uh, I thought he might be back on big out here regularly or something after that. He was like excited. You could see him like he was a, uh, he had a great time coming back in the uh, and doing that race, uh, that World Finals with uh, with James Essay. It was good to see him there at the races too. I mean, I'd seen him for a lot. I mean, I traveled with him a lot of years with the World of Outlaws when he was the uh, race director for the Outlaws. So, uh, and uh, you know, so I, that that's that's a voice I can always hear too. Derek, you're still you're still muted. We got one more mute from twice, you. Twice, twice in Look one that, episode. Twice in a, a day. Come yeah. on, man. All right, well, Kovac, you can uh, lead us off, <clears throat> kick us off with uh, one more thing before we end the show. Well, condolences to the family of Dickie Murphy, the Volusia uh, County Speedway. When he promoted the racetrack and owned it, it was always called Volusia County for a for a lot of the lot of long stretch. Um, but Dickie, he was also a Hall of Fame. Uh, World 100 winning late model owner uh, back in the 80s, winning the World 100 with Mike Duvall. Uh, he, he's a big, big figure, you know, in in race, in late model racing, you know, owning race cars that were, that were uh, Larry Moore drove his cars also for as another big name. Um, but he was involved with, uh, you know, then, then he takes over Volusia and Volusia. That's one of those iconic tracks of, of late model racing of of all dirt track racing because it's speed weeks right outside of daytona and uh, so many people uh, know volusia you, 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 you make a list of racetracks well known just the name of a racetrack in the country and volusia is going to be up there and, and, it, and it took off you know it started growing become well, more well known under dicky uh, murphy and he owned it until 2005 uh, when he sold it to the World Racing Group, you know, then back then, uh, down Boundless Motorsports, Dirt Motorsports, whatever it was called then. Uh, so, uh, you know, definitely uh, to to hear about Dickie's uh, uh, passing last week. Right. 
Robert? There. Oh. Yes, I got you. Derek, you kind of You're bobbled there for a minute. I didn't, I, yeah, you kind of bobbled up. I didn't know if, if you or not, but uh, we're going to get through this episode. I, I feel like we're going to we're going to do it. <laughs> I don't know how in the hell we're going to do it, but we're going to. My one thing, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, to your guy, Boom Briggs. Uh, at uh, I was I was at uh, which track Fairbury and. I, I went by boom and, and I'm like, Hey, you don't, we wouldn't happen to have a, a couple of pull-offs, uh, the, the, the twos in, in what national L N L M T twos, would you? And he just kind of looked at me like this with this blank face, blank stare on his face <laughs> as if like, what in the hell, do, what in the hell would you want them for? You know? And, and I, and I said, <clears throat> and he said, what? And I said, a couple of twos, you know, I, I'm, trying to scrounge up a couple of twos and he's continued to stare. And I, I said, I race car with that. My brother drives and he's like, Oh, and so I guess he didn't realize it or didn't know it. He's like, yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, after everybody, uh, he did, he went to, into Max Blair's trailer and gave, and gave me a couple of pull-offs there and, and uh, to help this lowly team back in Tennessee race, uh, to some some tires that I, I would like to use to qualify on, actually, to maybe help us a little bit. But uh, but yeah, he he gave me a right front tire, left rear tire, and and uh, I'm very very appreciative. He's a hell of a guy, which I knew that already. But uh, you know, so if you you know if you go by there and get a beer, uh, we know that that's the place to go after after the races. But yeah, uh, hats off Bush to him for being. That's right. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give a, a huge That's thank awesome. you to him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you're his buddy, you know, if you can, if you scrounge me up like a Briggs transport sticker or something, you know, I'll throw that on my car when I put a new body on it. So, uh, but yeah, a uh, hell of a guy, boom Briggs. I really appreciate you. Uh, thank you very much for, for helping us out. Boom Briggs, always the, the man, the myth and the legend. They should call him the mayor in dirt late model racing because of, uh, all the stuff he gives of evil during the races three four my one more thing is that we have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve races starting started last night at uh marshalltown twelve races this week from tuesday through saturday of races paying eighty eight hundred dollars or more i had to count that last one in there but that's uh Pretty impressive or just May that we're having 12 different races. We got Hunt the Front, Comcats, World of Outlaws, Castro, Lucas Oil. So a lot of money in different parts of the country where drivers can pick and choose, which is very, very good for the drivers. So I just wanted to kind of just the state of our the state of late model racing is hey, there's plenty of opportunities to go out there and make money and win some features there as we have 12 races that are paying eighty eight hundred dollars or more. That's it's pretty impressive, Kovac, before we uh before I let you all go. Yeah, a lot of big paying races now. I mean, five figures, 10,000 used to be the standard, right? That was like the the big show of the week. And now a $10,000 to win show has moved down the list because of uh, everything's up. There's 20s and 15s and, and all these bigger paying races. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good thing, though. Everyone's always wanted more money, and now they get a chance to go for it. Yeah, plenty of big money races this weekend. Castro, World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil. You can check. Comcams, Lucas Oil, Mars Series this weekend on Flow Racing. We all have the highlights as well with the World of Outlaws. 
plenty of racing in between. We'll have plenty of race wire updates. We'll have plenty of dispatches, news and notes, comms. Be sure to keep your browsers locked in to DirtOnDirt.com and Flow Racing. Until next time, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening if you're on the podcast.